2: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Still fully vaccinated, still dodging variants like Neo in the Matrix. And we have a cast of. I guess a couple now. A little bit different show for you today. All the content's going to be the same. It's going to be great. We got producer Justin. uh, We got the specialists who are going to be doing a whole lot of stuff in post for this show. Don't worry about it. It's going to still look and sound good. That's all you really need to know. And I'm joined on screen, as always, by Michael F. Florio. And we haven't fully survived week 15. We've survived part of week 15. And it has been a bizarre week, to say the least.
1: Yeah, one of the... More complicated weeks of the fantasy football season, L- let alone, you know, all the COVID stuff that we had feel- on the field injuries. We had some disappointments. Uh, I said it last week. I-, I think this is the most important year ever to have the first round by and week 15 kind of uh, proved that to be right. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to dive into some of the things that went
2: on. Also, uh, still a few games to be played, not just one or two, a handful of games still left to be played. So we'll talk about some of those coming up in the show as well. Other things that we will touch on is James Robinson officially back. Uh, we are previewing Tuesday night football, as I alluded to, and we're giving you some waiver wire targets for week 16. But let's get started as we normally do with some fantasy headlines. And we will start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because they had a slew of injuries on Sunday night football. They end up losing uh, in a bit of a surprise to the New Orleans Saints. 9 nothing the final score in that one. But Mike Evans left the game with a hamstring injury. Leonard Fournette left the game with a hamstring injury. And Chris Godwin left the game with a knee injury. And the report comes on Monday morning that Godwin is expected to miss the rest of the regular season. Meanwhile, for Evans and Fournette, they could miss some more time. We're still waiting on tests to figure out what the severity of their injuries is. Uh, but the question now becomes Florio. I mean, do we trust in the Buccaneers offense? And if so, where are we pivoting to?
1: Yeah. I think you continue to trust this Bucks' offense. Look, last night was the anomaly the, the saints have proven to be Tom Brady's kryptonite. The one team that can kind of get to him, Chris Godwin done for the year. It sounds like Lennon Fournette is done for the fantasy season. Uh, and, so with those guys out now, I think at running back, Ronald Jones becomes the one of the top waiver wire targets this week. We saw him play the most in Fournette's absence. We know that Ronald Jones is a good runner. He's got some good bursts to him. And I think with the receivers, I mean – this is why you keep a guy like Antonio Brown around just in case, even with all the off-the-field headaches, because I think now Brown slots in as that number two wide receiver behind Mike Evans. It doesn't sound like Mike Evans is uh, is too severe, that injury. So hopefully uh, he's back out there playing next week. But I, I think you keep trusting this Bucks offense. They still have Gronk. They still have potentially Evans, AB. Ronald Jones is a solid backup running back. So I think it just keeps on going for them.
2: I think we saw last night, though, how much those receivers and and Leonard Fournette mean to this offense. It just didn't look the same when Brady was trying to throw to Tyler Johnson or Jalen Darden. Uh, you know, they they tried to use Keyshawn Vaughn out of the backfield and, and he did not make plays for them. So it's definitely a different offense without Evans, uh, Godwin and Fournette. But they do have some guys who can slot in and be just as effective, if not more so. So uh, I'm with you. I think you still keep your trust in Tom Brady. I think you can still rock with Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, check to see maybe there's a chance he's out there on the waiver wire in your league. Probably not likely, but maybe there's a chance. It's worth certainly checking. Uh, Ronald Jones very much, uh, I don't. I wouldn't expect to be out there. But again, it's worth uh, taking a look through the waiver wire to see if he's available. But, um, yep, definitely disappointing if you've been rolling with Fournette or Godwin to this point, and uh, And again, we'll keep an eye on Mike Evans, too, to see uh, what the severity of his hamstring injury is. But uh, you know, in a week that was frustrating for a lot of people, maybe a frustrating end to the Sunday, we'll see what Monday and Tuesday bring uh, fantasy-wise as well. Uh, a scary injury for the Denver Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater was carted off the field, taken to a hospital for further evaluation after a head injury. So first and foremost, we hope everything is OK with Teddy. Uh, We saw a similar uh, scary injury on Thursday night between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Donald Parham uh, appears to be recovering well, so thank goodness for that. Um, But pivoting to fantasy football, it looks like Drew Locke is going to be taking over this team for at least the short term. And as I looked at this, I I wondered, you know, look, we've seen the passing game for Denver be kind of underwhelming regardless of who's under center. So As you sit there uh, and you look at this with Drew Locke maybe coming in to to be the starter, does this change much of how you feel about the Denver offense now?
1: No, it it doesn't. And this was an offense that I thought uh, had upside coming into the year. I was very, very high on Jerry Judy. Uh, But I think on last week's podcast, it might have been, I came around and I was like, listen... This offense is, the passing game is, you can't trust it. Like, it's the running backs, and that's really it. And that's what we saw again yesterday. 15 carries for both running backs. They were each utilized a bit in the passing game. Their receivers, though, their tight ends, they they spread the ball out so much. Like, you're, you're looking at a weekly, I would say, floor of, like, four to five targets, maybe, like, eight points for their... For, for their receivers, and they can give you less than that. Like, Cortland Sutton has struggled all year, so uh, you take Teddy out. Yeah, I know Drew Locke maybe brings the deep ball to this offense that we haven't seen, but I don't want to trust Drew Locke in the fantasy playoffs. So for me, it continues to be when it comes to the Denver Broncos. It is the two running backs, and that's really it. That is pretty much
2: it. Uh, Jerry Judy did not have a catch on Sunday. And I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Judy and Eli Apple were going back and forth at each other uh, on Twitter. Judy saying, you know, I was torching you all day long. And Apple's like, well, let me check these stats and see how it's going. Um, it was amusing. I mean, somebody who has no, uh, no rooting interest one way or another, uh, it was very amusing. But it does kind of stand to the point that the Bronco passing game, the Bronco receivers, uh, have let us down a lot this year. And I don't think it matters at this point who the quarterback is. It is a group that you're probably just going to stay away from for uh, for the rest of the season.
1: Until they get like Aaron Rodgers next year. Then they'll
2: be back. Yeah, you know, when that happens <laughs> and everything changes and suddenly we're totally back on board with Judy and Sutton and, and whomever else uh, is catching the football there uh, in, in Denver. Uh, speaking of catching the football, Sterling Shepard appears to have suffered a torn Achilles on Sunday in the loss to the Dallas Cowboys. It has been beyond miserable for the Giants offense this season, for their wide receivers, for their tight ends, even for Saquon Barkley. Um, look, I'm not going to sit here and try to craft a narrative of, you know, can you start this guy or that guy in the Giants you know, passing game? The question to me now is, are any of these guys even rosterable at this point?
1: Not Really? No. I mean, it it sounds like Daniel Jones season could be over. They're taking a cautious approach with him. And I understand why. And Mike Lennon was so bad that he got benched for Jake Fromm. Like, I don't really want any of those players uh, to start at least in the fantasy playoffs with one maybe exception, Marcus. the, The Giants get the Eagles next week. So maybe if you're going a little bit deeper for a streaming tight end, you could get Evan Ingram in there who maybe gets more volume now with Sterling Shepard out. But like Kenny Galladay has been a huge bust. Uh, Darius Slayton is, is really what he is at this point. Kadarius Toney was one that I liked early on in the year, but we haven't seen him in weeks. And now with the quarterback change, I, I think you just avoid this team altogether.
2: Yeah, just, it just has not been good. Um, you know, Galladay has been a huge, huge disappointment. Uh, couldn't stay healthy when he's on the field, not doing much. We sort of thought that maybe Sterling Shepard could be the antidote. Um, and, and again, he's had problems staying healthy, and the quarterback situation has done them no favors. Uh, this has been just a miserable year for the Giants offense. And, um, you know, I think, I think the rock bottom is to the point that now we, we can't even really count on Saquon. So I think that kind of – you know, puts a bow on what has been a pretty awful season for, uh, for big blue this year um, down in Miami. Maybe a little bit of a surprise. The dolphins had activated miles Gaskin off the COVID-19 reserve list in time for Sunday's game against the jets. I think at that point, a lot of fantasy folks, myself included felt like, all right, well, Gaskin feels like a go they're playing the jets. It's a great matchup. Gaskin should get plenty of work instead it was the Duke Johnson show. He got more touches than Gaskin. 23 to 10 was the final count. And Duke Johnson comes out of nowhere to finish his RB one, at least you know, with four games still left to be played at this point. Um, very much a surprise. I guess going forward, is this going to be a backfield committee? And, and is Duke Johnson going to take the lead or is this just a one week thing?
1: Right right now, I, I'm leaning towards it being a one-week thing, but I, I did put in my Waiver Wire article, because I wrote about Duke Johnson, I said, like, we're going to have to monitor this all week. We're going to have to, you know, pay attention to the reports coming out of their practice because the, the Dolphins have been kind of, have shown a tendency to mix and match their running backs in the last two seasons, but Miles Gaskin was just coming off the COVID IR. We know he missed practice all week. Duke Johnson was the one getting all the reps. So to me... That makes me feel like it was a one-week thing. Miles Gaskin maybe wasn't 100%, definitely didn't get the reps in. So I, right now, I think Duke Johnson should be picked up off the waiver wire, but I can't with any confidence tell you which one of the Dolphins running backs is the lead back currently. I mean, I think that's the that's the point, though, for me, is that
2: it, it's going to be, I think, a muddled mess, right? Because you can't ignore what Duke Johnson did. He played well enough that you got to believe He may be getting some opportunities going forward. Miles Gaskin isn't going away. Curious to see, you know, what happens with Savon Ahmed and and so many of those other guys back there that, uh, you know, dealt with COVID over the last week and whether or not the Dolphins decide to go back to them. So, you know, what last year was kind of an easy backfield to figure out has been a lot less so this year. But I still didn't think the Duke Johnson we'd be talking about him <laughs> sitting on top of the running back rankings when we all woke up on Monday morning um, just to underscore how weird the season has been and how weird week 15 has been. Uh, here we are. We're flashing back to Duke Johnson. That's what it is. Um That gets us to another edition of Things We Learned, where we talk about uh, what we saw over the weekend and uh, how it impacted our
1: thinking in fantasy
2: football. And for you, what was your big
1: takeaway from the week? Sadly, it's that what we once thought was going to be one of the most high-powered offenses in football, the Dallas Cowboys, multiple of their players are going to let you down each week. And this past week, it was a pretty good matchup against the Giants. Dak threw for 217 yards, just one touchdown. Zeke saved his day with a touchdown, but he didn't put up big yardage by any stretch. CeeDee Lamb gave you 11. Michael Gallup gave you six. Amari Cooper gave you less than three. It was Dalton Schultz now that had the big receiving game, scored the touchdown. So to me, I think like CeeDee Lamb is someone that you want to start each week. I think Michael Gallup, uh, sorry, Amari Cooper is in play most weeks. Michael Gallup is kind of like a boomer bust wide receiver three. Zeke hasn't been Zeke. Tony Pollard's gonna have some big weeks, some disappointing weeks. So I think with a lot of the Cowboys, you may have to continue. You may not have a better option to get them out of your lineup, but just be, be prepared that they're gonna have disappointing weeks for sure.
2: Yeah. The uh this felt like a get right game, a get healthy game for the the Cowboys, and it just wasn't. And uh, I believe I saw this morning that since week 11, Dak Prescott is like the QB 27 or something. He's way, way down the list. Uh, and that is not what you drafted him for. And that is not what you were anticipating uh, this time of year. So, uh, you know, if you are able to survive with a cowboy on your roster, good on you. You got to hope that things get better in the short term. Um, Cause otherwise it, it may be a rough slog through the next week or two. with any cowboys. mom Mark- um, what I learned this week or what I was reminded of this week is that what we have seen from the top tier tight ends in the last week or so is why you pay up for these guys at the beginning of the year. We had spent a lot of time recently talking about Travis Kelsey uh, and the fact that he had kind of underperformed and, and should we be worried about him? Then he goes out and he gives you 10 catches for 191 yards and a pair of touchdowns. It gives you 41 fantasy points to uh, be the tight end one this week. George Kittle the last few weeks has stepped up and played very, very well for the 49ers. Mark Andrews, even without Lamar Jackson, is still out there getting targets and making plays in the offense. So you're, you're looking around and you're seeing the elite tight ends step up at a big moment when you need them to. It's frustrating, obviously, that we've lost Darren Waller, at least for now. TJ Hawkinson appears to be done for the year. So those are a couple of the earlier tight ends that you might have drafted that maybe aren't giving you those numbers. But injuries notwithstanding, the guys that you needed the most at the position are coming to play when you need them the most. So for all the other craziness that's happening around fantasy football in the last week or so, uh, the elite's, the, the steadfast guys that you went and spent a lot of draft capital on are starting to pay dividends. Hopefully you made the playoffs with those guys on your roster because if so, uh, then you can start to cash in a little bit. And Hopefully that continues because their teams need them, your teams need them, and this is when they're starting to really show up in a really big way. All right, it is time for a break, but when we come back, we ask if Gabe Davis is the real thing, and we sprinkle a little bit of salt towards some players who let us down. That's next
0: on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
2: Take a look at some of the top performers for Week 15. Of course, uh, still four games to be played. Actually, if you're watching the live streaming show, the Raiders and Browns, uh, probably in action or just about to kick off uh, at the very least. But uh, other than that, the guys who have played your QB1, surprise, surprise, it's Tyler Huntley. Uh, your RB1 we talked about earlier, that's Duke Johnson. Your RB3, Jeff Wilson with just under 20 points. James Robinson, 17.8 points. He's the RB5. Devin Singletary is the RB6 at 16.6. Amir Abdullah is the RB8, half points. Just a strange list of running backs uh, this week. Uh, Gabriel Davis. Davis is the wide receiver three at 25 and a half points. I'm on Ross St. Brown, the sun god shining down with 23.5 to be the wide receiver five. Travis Kelsey, your tight end one, as I mentioned, 41.1 points, and the tight end two, Mark Andrews at 35.6. But let's circle back and talk about James Robinson. Cause I said last week on this show that Urban Meyer was tanking James Robinson's fantasy value. Urban Meyer no longer there. James Robinson comes back with a pretty nice game, almost 18 fantasy points. Uh, Does this mean that James Robinson is officially back in our lives?
1: Yeah, I I think so. I mean, we we had heard from Urban Meyer that it was like the running backs coach and all of them benching him. And then those guys came out and were like, no, it wasn't us. It was (laughs) Urban Meyer. And they even said this week, they were like, he is our best running back. He's our workhorse back. We're going to use him as such, and that is exactly what we saw. I know there was no Carlos Hyde, but he had 18 carries. Trevor Lawrence had five. The other running backs on the roster had one carry, um, and then James Robinson also had six targets out of the backfield. That that's 24 opportunities for him. That is a workhorse kind of day. And I think one other thing that we that maybe got a, made a little bit too much in the last two weeks prior to this, or got overlooked a little bit. The Jaguars lost those two games by a combined score of 57 to 7. So, naturally, in a blowout game, in blowout games like that, you're not going to be able to get your running back the ball as much. So, we're seeing in this when the Jaguars could keep it closer, that they're still going to feature James Robinson. So, I think that he remains a guy that you start each week.
2: I mean, it just, it just seemed like common sense, right? I mean, we, we joke about it. Just give, just give your good players the ball. Just give it to your good players. Um, and it seems like that's sort of what they got back to uh, very refreshing to see. And, and again, it comes at the right time for anybody who's in the playoffs with James Robinson. It's good to see him get back in action. Side note to all this, and, and we haven't mentioned the name Travis Etienne in a while for obvious reasons, but, um, what happens when he comes back next year? This this gets really complicated, I'd imagine, because I, I can't imagine you're just going to push Robinson aside, but you're also going to want to give your, for all intents and purposes, your rookie running back an opportunity. This is going to get really muddled, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think so as well. And we know last year the fantasy community was all on ETN and it led to Robinson being a good cost. For me, my thinking is this could be something similar to the Dallas Cowboys where, like, James Robinson is your early down runner, your bruiser between the tackles, and then you look to get ETN the ball more in space, get him more in the passing game because he's a little bit more explosive. Yeah, I, I mean,
2: I had compared it sort of to, to Cleveland, but I think Dallas is a good analogy as well uh, with Zeke and Pollard or with Chubb and, and Hunt up in Cleveland. I think, I think that's the best-case scenario uh, is if they find some sort of uh, division of labor very similar to those teams. Um, Gabe Davis, uh, you were on him very much this week. No Emmanuel Sanders. A lot of folks I know had some expectations for him. I don't know that anybody thought two touchdowns was coming from Gabe Davis, but it was an outstanding week for him. As you look at it, well, first off, your Bills get a much-needed win uh, after a couple of stumbles. But um, was this because of the matchup against a Panthers team that is just sort of treading water right now? Or is this a sign of things to come for him?
1: I I don't think it's because of the matchup, and I'm not sure if it's a sign of things to come because <laughs> the issue is – I think Gabe Davis is a really, really talented wide receiver, and I think he brings something that the Bills offense has clearly been lacking this year. Like last year, they had John Brown opposite of Stephon Diggs who could stretch the field, take some safety coverage away. This year, they're all near the line of scrimmage outside of Stephon Diggs. Like Emmanuel Sanders, no offense, is just not a downfield type of receiver anymore. He's more of a move-the-chains guy. They already have that in Cole Beasley. So I I know – Fans have been pushing for Davis to get more playing time. Beat reporters there have been, Uh, and now this opportunity hopefully leads to them making a switch and putting Gabe Davis over Emmanuel Sanders. And if that happens, then I think Gabe Davis is a fantasy asset you could trust the rest of the year. Or if Emmanuel Sanders is out next week, I think Davis is once again in play. But if Sanders is back and we're hearing reports that he's going to be playing over Gabe Davis again, then I don't think you could trust Gabriel Davis. But, He showed us yesterday what he could do. The two things he does best is he could be a a field stretcher and he could be a presence in the red zone. Two touchdowns, a couple of long catches. I would hope that they keep giving this guy more opportunity. I mean, it seems like he has
2: earned it, but the problem is, as you mentioned, when Sanders comes back, I think they sort of eat into each other's opportunities a little bit. There's just, even with Josh Allen playing well, even at his best, I just don't think there's enough in that offense for four wide receivers. Stephon Diggs is going to get his. You mentioned Cole Beasley being that possession receiver that they need. Uh, Let's not forget Dawson Knox is going to get his targets too in this offense. So to try and uh, also get Sanders and Davis enough opportunities, it just seems impossible. So you you are sort of hoping that it's either one or the other because that makes our decision easy if it's both. Uh, then I think if, if the bills say it's both, then the answer for us is neither. Cause I just don't think it's, it's worth uh, trying to trying to figure that thing out. All right. That was the good now on to the bad with uh, another edition of I'm salty. The folks who let us down, broke our hearts, maybe even got us bounced from the playoffs, depending on how things went with the rest of your roster. Uh, For you who gets a little sprinkle of sea salt today.
1: A little, uh, a little salt bait. It's um, <laughs> it's uh, it's Kyler Murray for me, man. I mean, you played the Detroit Lions, who have one win all year, and not only did you play the Detroit Lions, you played the COVID, you know, affected Detroit Lions, and I expected a huge day for Kyler Murray on the Sunday show. I picked him to be the highest scoring player of the week. He gave you less than thirteen fantasy points. He only threw for 257 yards, one touchdown, one interception, only ran for three yards. That, to me, is the biggest disappointment because the last two games since Kyler's come back, we've seen him set each week, set a new season high in rushing yards. And then to only get three and a great matchup against the Lions, that was very frustrating. And he brought kind of the whole offense down with him like Chase Edmonds didn't put up a good day. James Conner had his worst game in quite some time. It was really Kirk and Ertz that had a good game on this team, and that was it. And when we were looking at this matchup, Marcus, I think we expected a lot more out of Kyler Murray and the entire Cardinals offense.
2: I mean, I, I was big on saying, look, James Conner, <clears throat> regardless uh, of what happens with Chase Edmonds, was worth a start. Christian Kirk I had. I mean, it, it just seemed like <clears throat> this was set up for the Cardinals to roll. Uh, and that was very much not what happened. Um, just a, a shocker all around with the Lions getting not just a win, but a huge, a decisive win uh, against the Cardinals on Sunday to the point that late in the game, Cliff Kingsbury went to Colt McCoy. Uh, he just kind of threw up the white flag said, you know, it's not worth it. He put Colt McCoy in the game and just sort of let, let the clock run out at that point. Uh, for me, my big disappointment was Najee Harris. And I guess what made it even more disappointing is that I, I had him as a beware. I I thought there was a a chance that he might not have a huge number. I still thought he would give you more than what he did on Sunday. I mean, it was miserable. And the thing that maybe is most concerning to me about Najee Harris lately is he's still being involved in the passing game, but he just is not giving you any kind of real production. There, You go back through his stat line, and in four of his last five, actually even more than that, I mean, he's giving you – less than 30 receiving yards in a lot of games, but he's getting targets. And he's just not turning it into any kind of production. We know the offensive line in Pittsburgh is a mess. That was a concern going into the season. I know that the Titans are good against the run, but I still thought that there was a chance for him to at least catch, catch some some balls, get some fantasy production that way, and it hasn't happened. And it's sort of coming at a bad time right now with the playoffs in hand. Um, I just, I, you know, I felt like maybe... I won't say Najee was was matchup proof, but that at least there were other ways for him to get the football and other ways for him to to pick up yards and points. Um, And it certainly didn't happen on Sunday. Uh, I mean, so I'll I'll ask you, though, with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is at the very end of his career. We don't know if he's going to be back in Pittsburgh next year. Uh, The offensive line still has issues. Are there reasons going forward and maybe in dynasty leagues or next year in seasonal leagues that we should sort of downgrade or be concerned about Najee Harris or does volume kind of trump everything?
1: I think at the end of the day, volume does trump everything, but it it is going to greatly depend on who this team's quarterback is, I think, because if they upgrade that quarterback position with the pieces they have around him, I think he could be fine. But if you know, if we're seeing a Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskin type of situation, then then I'm going to be pretty f- afraid because, you know, teams are just going to figure we have to stop Najee Harris and that's it. And it is frustrating, Marcus, because for a while it looked like his floor was like 15 fantasy points, but now single digits in two of his last four games. They get the Chiefs next week. I have Harris in the league. I'm still planning on starting him. But do you think, do you think if you have Harris, you just continue to ride him out because of the volume or are you uh, getting a little bit – maybe considering pulling him out your lineup?
2: I mean, I think you still play him one because of the volume and, and look, uh, who knows who's going to be available next week. I mean, I'm not sold that all the COVID issues we saw in week 15 just magically disappear because the calendar flips over to another week. We could still be dealing with the same sort of thing. So you could still be sort of shorthanded. It's not like the waiver wire is going to bring a ton of immediate relief. So I think, you know, one, the volume certainly helps. But two, there just may not be better options uh, than Najee Harris. I mean, if you are if you are blessed with running back depth, then maybe you make that move. But um, I think I think you're just kind of riding riding this out the rest of the way uh, until you either win a championship or you get bounced from the playoffs. I think that's that's sort of where we are right now so hey it's the time of the show when i tell you to follow us on tiktok at nfl fantasy always putting out content there you can also follow me uh at marcus grant uh i do weird stuff i haven't done one in a while uh i've been in the process of moving studios and unpacking boxes which is why uh things behind me look a little bit different than they normally do so uh once we get all settled then maybe i'll get back to making foolishness uh, on the internet so go check me out right there all right Uh, We are at the end of the year where a lot of folks are sort of packing up shop. Maybe your seasonal teams uh, have been bounced from the playoffs. Maybe you unfortunately didn't make the playoffs in either case. Thanks for still sticking with us. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, But now is when we sort of look back on the guys that maybe broke our hearts uh, that we did not expect, or maybe they've done it a couple of times and it's been one time too many. And we're deciding we're going to kind of wash our hands uh, of these players going forward. So uh, for you, is somebody that you may not be drafting next year with the caveat look I, I understand that at the right the right draft price everybody is available everybody is sort of in play but you know given where you anticipate their ADP being next year uh, who's the guy that you may not draft
1: Ezekiel Elliott uh, because for the second straight year towards the end of the season I'm like Zeke has been a disappointment and last year at the end of the fantasy season I was on the I am not drafting Ezekiel Elliott train and then uh, you know when I was doing draft prep I like sometime in May or whatever I put out on Twitter like here are what I'm struggling with on Zeke his efficiency has been decreasing every single season he doesn't have any bursts left he's a volume dependent running back Tony Pollard might be better than him or might be more efficient he's touchdown reliant and the echo chamber that is Fantasy Twitter all summer long kept telling me that Ezekiel Elliott is going to thrive with Dak back. Look at what he did in those that first month. Uh, he has top five upside. He has RB1 upside. And they they really suckered me in. And what I was saying was like, yeah, he's probably going to be a top 10 running back, but it's not going to be pretty. And at the end of the year, we're going to look back at it and be like, it's volume dependent. And that's exactly what's happening. So I'm angry at myself for uh, letting the echo chamber kind of suck me back in. And and I I drafted Zeke in a few spots. But I'm anticipating next year, Marcus, he'll be like a late first, maybe early second round player because he's the RB7 on the year right now. But if you have Zeke, you know he's not the real RB7. He's, He's doing it because he's out there each week. But more often than not, he's giving you like 12 fantasy points, 14 fantasy points. That's not what you want under your first round pick.
2: It is going to be one of those things where the overall number uh, doesn't tell the true story of what the season was. And yes. I, think, I think people are going to have to kind of dig into that to kind of figure it out. But you're right. Muscle memory uh, and the fact that he will, unless something weird happens, probably finish the year as a top 10 running back means that, that people will still draft him pretty high up and uh, who knows, they, they could get burned. And, you know, we may see more Tony, Tony Pollard next year. The Cowboys really like him and he's been really effective. So it, it could become more of a legitimate timeshare um, in Dallas. For me, it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And, you know, I, I came in this year saying, look, what happened as a rookie was more our fault than his fault. We we really projected him to the moon right away. We just said, "Hey, a running back in the Chiefs' offense is what they need. He's going to catch the football. It's going to be great," uh, and he was just kind of meh. So then this year the ADP dropped. Uh, you know, we felt like, okay, well, the expectations have been tempered. The production is going to be baked into the draft price. Uh, and even now he is still underwhelmed. I mean, he was hurt for a little bit when he's been on the field. He really hasn't given us much. I know they tried to get him involved in the passing game uh, over the weekend against the Chargers. Even that didn't really work. And at some point, it's just fair to say that, hey, look, maybe this guy isn't the player we thought he was going to be in this offense. Maybe he is just sort of uh, a rotational back. Maybe he's just a depth add for your fantasy roster and not a guy you can count on week in and week out because we just don't know when he's going to produce good matchup, bad matchup. It's just been really hard to peg. So at this point, I think I'm willing to just kind of stay away from Clyde Edward DeLair. Maybe he does have the breakout season in his third year. I probably won't know because I probably won't draft him uh, just because he's just, he's just been sort of disappointing. Um, I will say this though is, Next year, let's let's say everything stays the same in the Chiefs' offense. I mean, is there anybody we're really targeting high outside of you know the big three Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey? It feels like again, we're just kind of staying away from Chiefs beyond those guys.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think CH will still go in like the you know, like the third or fourth round as a solid RB2. I think a lot of people will be agreeing with you, Marcus, that he is not an RB1. We can't keep propping him up as that. Um, but yeah, I I I think it's going to be the same as it is unless they bring in a, a high-profile wide receiver, too, which I think this offense can clearly use. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then no, I agree. I think it is just, it's Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey. And those guys might even go a little bit later than we've seen the last couple of years where Kelsey's the unquestioned tight end one, Hill is usually a top two wide receiver off the board, and Mahomes has been the QB one. Now I think there might be a discussion of other players going either right around them or higher.
2: Yeah, I for sure think Kelsey falls out of the first round this year. Too. Uh, that's not going to happen. Tyreek Hill, probably, a, probably still a second round guy. Um, and maybe we see Mahomes fall out of the third round or something like that. Uh, I, I don't, don't think
1: Mahomes think. is going to be the, the, I think the top two consensus quarterbacks are going to be Allen and Murray.
2: I think so too. Uh, I think those are going to be the guys. Which honestly, maybe in a weird way, might end up making Patrick Mahomes a value at some point because uh, they'll still have those blow up games, you know, at, during the season. Uh, but maybe you don't have to spend a third round draft pick to get him. So uh, who knows? Uh, all right, there are a pair of games on Monday night. One of them, the Raiders and the Browns, depending on when you listen to the show or if you watch the live streaming show, uh, is either in progress or maybe is done for the day. Uh, So we're not going to get into that because it's not going to help you at all. Uh, Hopefully you have uh, been able to kind of make some moves, but we will say uh, Nick Mullins is expected to start for the Browns. So he may be throwing the football right now as you're listening to this, who knows? Um, But Raiders Browns, that's a thing that has happened uh, or is happening. Anyway, the game that was normally scheduled though for Monday night, the Vikings and the bears, um, kind of an interesting matchup obviously a divisional matchup there are some playoff implications because right now pretty much everything has some sort of playoff implications let's look at the quarterback matchup because on paper it is a good matchup for both signal callers so who'd you rather kirk cousins or justin fields
1: this one is is really close uh, I, I slightly lean Kirk Cousins I believe I have them ranked back to back heading into week 15 the reason I lean Cousins and, and I get Fields is more exciting he's been playing good ball as of late it's a great matchup Cousins has been just though more consistent all year long and I, I know he's been a little up and down as of late but I mean if you like 2025 20, fantasy points he's done that routinely this year he's thrown multiple passing touchdowns in six straight games so and, and seven of his last eight. So I think he's just a little bit safer there. But I, I fully admit Justin Fields is the the much more exciting play. And and they both I think bring A good amount of upside like it wouldn't surprise me if either one of them went off for like 25 fantasy points tonight
2: maybe because he is the more exciting option that's sort of where i'm leaning there um you know maybe he is more likely to get out of the pocket and run and pick up some some yards that way maybe he even gets you a rushing touchdown he had that that great one earlier in the year uh, against the 49ers so maybe he's able to pull that one off uh, again tonight against the, the vikings but I do think it's very close. I think you know if you are say putting together a daily fantasy lineup, I don't know that you can go wrong with either of those guys because I think you know they, they both have the potential to get you eighteen or more points in this one. So um, it's very close. I'm gonna go Justin Fields. I just I like I like watching him a little bit more, and I think we've seen the Kirk Cousins show. So uh, that's kind of where I why I went the the direction I went there. Um, for the Vikings, though, so we know Justin Jefferson's going to be there. Adam Thielen is listed as questionable. Uh, We will find out closer to kickoff whether or not he's actually going to play tonight. But uh, if he does miss another game, is there any pass catcher in this Vikings offense not named Justin Jefferson that you feel like you would put in a lineup?
1: Uh, I had KJ Osborne ranked as a wide receiver three this week, um, like in my top 30 receivers. So I, I think he would be in play. Really, I think whichever wide receiver two suits up for the Vikings is in play there. Like if Adam Thielen does, I'm not expecting him to, but if he does suit up and there's no reports of him being limited, I think you get him in your starting lineup. And if he's either out or there's reports of him being limited, I think you pivot to KJ Osborne. Besides that, like last week, I was a little excited for Tyler Conklin. Maybe, you know, streaming tight end, sure, but I, I don't really feel great about him this week. So it's kind of just that wide receiver two spot or bust. Yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, I, I would give Osborne an opportunity, uh, probably more in a, a DFS lineup than, you know, any kind of seasonal lineup, unless you're really, you know, kind of hurting at the position. He does have touchdowns and back to back games. So uh, that's worth sort of noting. And, you know, Kirk Cousins tends to funnel his targets maybe through a couple of guys. He, he does not spread the ball around a ton. So if Osborne is the other receiver, Uh, then I think he's worth maybe uh, getting a shot for uh, in the, the ball game tonight. All right. Up next on the NFL fantasy football show, we are taking a walk on the week 16 waiver wire. Can you buy into a Bengals back against
0: Baltimore? Find out when we return. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better.
2: Uh, Week 15 still has one more day left, but you know what I mean. Anyway, it means uh, if you are still alive, it is time to keep playing the waiver wire because you can always keep improving your team. Michael F. Florio puts together our waiver wire list every week. So uh, please, sir, take me through some of your selections this week.
1: Justin Fields, Uh, I I had him on the waiver wire article last week. I know he hasn't played yet, which means you could still grab him right now if that game hasn't kicked off yet. Tyler Huntley, who just continues to look great in Lamar's absence, I think is worth stashing in case Lamar misses more time. Trevor Lawrence and Drew Locke, those are just some deeper two-quarterback format options for you. At running back, Ronald Jones, who's still available in like over 70% of NFL.com leagues, probably shouldn't be. Get him on your roster now. Devin Singletary, Marcus, he has taken over as the Bills' lead running back, didn't see that one coming. Craig Reynolds continues to be the workhorse for the Lions with Swift and uh, Williams out. Samaj P. Ryan because we saw Joe Mixon leave that game early and then Duke Johnson because he was the bell cow for the Miami Dolphins this past week and then at some receivers our boy Amon Ross St. Brown just continues to produce double digit targets in three straight games top receiver target. We spoke about Gabriel Davis. I, I like him there as a target. MVS, three games with at least seven targets in his last four, two of those over 20 fantasy points. Devontae Parker just continues to get overlooked there in Miami. Laquan Treadwell seems to be a pretty safe bet for at least five or more targets each week. And in deeper leagues, Robbie Anderson. And then rounding us out at tight end, Gerald Everett, who also hasn't played yet, so if you need a tight end for next week, you could grab him off the waiver wire still now. And then Evan Ingram, I know that's gross, but Eagles so <laughs> it's it, that's really the only reason why
2: all right so you mentioned uh, Samaj P Ryan there and we are unaware at this point of what Joe Mixon's status is going to be you mentioned he left the game with an injury if it is P Ryan next week uh, they've got the Ravens who have been great against the run can we trust him uh, will he get enough volume can he produce against that Ravens defense
1: I think he would be an RB2 based on volume alone. Like I, I would expect him to get, you know, at least like 15 touches if he was the lead running back, probably get some usage in the passing game as well. Baltimore's defense is very banged up right now. They're not what they once were. So I, I think he would have RB2 or at least flex upside at the, at the very least. And I think his upside is a little bit higher than that if he could find the end zone. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I just, the thing about
2: the, the Bengals is that they have been pretty much a one running back team for the most part. So the, the number of touches is going to be there. Hopefully he can catch the ball, get out in space. Uh, As you mentioned, find the end zone, because otherwise just as a straight ahead runner, uh, don't love the matchup because the Ravens have been one of the best teams against the run pretty much all year long. Uh, You, you mentioned it, you alluded to it, Evan Ingram. Uh, I, I, I have put him in the sleepers column any number of times and he has let me down every single time. Are we doing this again? Are we we really doing this again with him?
1: I don't want to, but then you take a look at like the tight end position. And from this past week, like, I I mean, we had some James O'Shaughnessy O'Shaughnessy was a top 10 (laughs) uh, tight end. No offense. Albert O from the Denver Broncos was the tight end 11 on the week. Evan Ingram and his seven point three points was the tight end fourteen, and now he gets the best possible matchup for a tight end. I don't want to do it, but I think if you're, you know, if you've been streaming the position, maybe you're looking at at uh, the names on the waiver wire and not liking anyone. It, it's at least a shot on a good matchup, and now with Sterling Shepard out, maybe he gets some more volume as well. I'm, I'm just starting to put together
2: my list of sleepers for the week, and I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stare at that really long <laughs> and just wonder, like, do I do this again? And I know in the end I'm probably going to, and I'm going to kick myself, but uh, this, is, this is what it is uh, heading into week 16. All right, so if we're looking at the top waiver wire target for the week, you somehow have priority, or you in a miracle still have some fab left in your fake pocket, uh, where are you going with it?
1: I made a last-minute change to my top waiver-wire target, and it was after Leonard Fournette got hurt. I think if Ronald Jones is available, and he I was surprised to see in over 70% of NFL.com leagues, he still is. I think Ronald Jones becomes the top pick up there. He played the most snaps when uh, Fournette went down. He had by far the most carries. He was used a little bit in the passing game. And what I like about Jones is we know he's a good runner, right? Like he might not be a great pass protector. He might make up, make some mistakes, and and then Bruce Arians hates him. But we know that he is a good runner. He's got good bursts. He is more explosive than Leonard Fournette is. So I think the next two weeks with Fournette likely sidelined, Ronald Jones becomes at the very least an RB2 with some more upside. Uh, this is my, my favorite segment of the show because it's like the all-trojan
2: <laughs> segment right now. Uh, I mean, I think really Ronald Jones is probably the right answer. If he's out there, that's probably the guy you want uh, if Fournette is going to miss next week. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, partially because he's getting so many opportunities right now in Detroit and partially to validate my own belief from the beginning of the season that he was going to be worth uh, a late draft pick. Over the course of the year, that hasn't quite worked out that way, but lately he's starting to blossom into the player. I thought he could be. I thought he could be kind of a safety blanket for Jared Goff. I thought he could be a playmaker. I don't think he's uh, dazzling any in any one area, but he makes tough catches. Uh, he's shown that he can be good after the catch. And um, you know, I, I feel like even now you can if you need a wide receiver, somebody you can put in at the Flex, uh, he has that opportunity. And most weeks, obviously not this past week, since that the Lions will be playing in negative game scripts and having to throw the football, and you could see the ball go in, uh, in Amon Ra's direction. So uh, I, I still think Ronald Jones probably is the right answer, but for my own selfish purposes, uh, I'm going to pick Amon Ra St. Brown so I can take uh, what is a, not a victory lap, but maybe a, a victory stroll down the hallway or something like that. Uh, for
1: what, for what it's worth, he was my top waiver wire guy until the, the Leonard Fournette injury.
2: Yeah. All right. So that makes me feel pretty good about that thing too. Uh, anyway, for more waiver wire analysis, check out Florio's weekly column. You should know by now that it's at NFL.com/waiverwire. But uh, if you don't know, now you know, as a wise philosopher uh, once said. Thank you, Chris Wallace. Well, as Carrie Underwood uh, sings all the time, I've been waiting all day for Tuesday night. No, that's not quite how it goes. But anyway, we have Tuesday Night Football. Not only do we have one game, we actually have two games uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, So we'll jump into that and kind of give you our thoughts on those. Um, Seahawks and Rams, they actually both, I should say, kick off uh, at the same time, 7 p.m. Eastern time scheduled. And I think they are regional coverage. So depending on where you live, that will determine which game that you watch. Unless, you know, you've got the TV or uh, something like that, and you can uh, check out both of them. But anyway, Seahawks at Rams. DK Metcalf uh, has been slumping down the stretch. It's really been the Tyler Lockett show. Now he was placed on the COVID-19 list earlier in the week. Uh, could this potentially be the big DK game we have been waiting for?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I've been, you know, on the D do not like bench DK by any, any stretch uh, train all week, I guess you could say. And then when Tyler Lockett went out, more people were kind of back on DK Metcalf. But my thing has been like, one, he's still DK Metcalf. Two, he's still getting like a consistent eight targets a game. And DK Metcalf with eight targets brings more upside than most receivers in the NFL. Plus, I know a lot of people are scared off by the Rams and the matchup. His best game of the year came against the Rams, and he he thrived against them in the playoffs last year. So he's gone for over 26 fantasy points the last two times he's had this matchup. I'm not scared by DK, and, and I continue to say it. If I start DK, he gets eight targets, and he gives me, like, eight fantasy points, I'll live with that. If I bench DK Metcalf, and I lose because it's, like, 25 points is on my bench, I'm going to hate myself all offseason. So I am just going to continue to start DK Metcalf each week. I think you know,
2: people look at the Rams. They say, hey, maybe Jalen Ramsey's going to shadow him. And I think the immediate reaction, understandably, is, ooh, I should be worried. But as you pointed out, he's had success against the Rams. He's had success against Jalen Ramsey. So I think that takes a lot of that fear and tosses it out the window. Uh, if Tyler Lockett is not there, that's more targets potentially funneled his way. Um, and look, we have been waiting for the big breakout game, You know, for the, the big bounce back game. And I think this could be it. The z uh, you know. I, they're not officially eliminated. Uh, they're pretty close to, but they need all the wins they can get. So this is a situation where I think they're all hands on deck, calling on some of their big name players. Uh, and DK is certainly one of them. So we'll see if he can bounce back. But I, I'm with you. I would have him in my lineup, regardless uh, of whatever fear we have. Uh, Rashad Penny had a big game last week. Uh, Pete Carroll said they were going to use him very heavily, and they did. And he gave you a good fantasy number little bit of a different scenario this week against the Rams. Uh, what do you project for
1: him there? I haven't projected for around twelve fantasy points, which is a a solid day. I, I'm thinking that we haven't really seen him used in the passing game at all this year. I'm thinking that maybe that changes this week. Uh, I think you you know he's a solid flex option and maybe low end RB two because volume like we know how explosive he is he just needs to break out one long run and i think he's going to get a good amount of opportunities to do so but what i keep saying when it comes to rashad penny even if you don't love the matchup from this week you want him on your roster because next week the bears the week after that the lions two really good matchups for him to close out the uh, fantasy playoffs so I've got him at about nine points.
2: Maybe he can get to 10 either way. I don't think it's a spectacular game. I I worry about his use of the passing game. I also worry just about game script. If the Rams do what they can do and score a lot of points, then that really forces Russell Wilson to have to throw the football. I mean, I I think DK can have a big game. Uh, I don't know if both DK and Rashad Penny have big games at the same time, because I think that really is going to be game script dependent. So uh, I, I think that there's less optimism for me about Rashad Penny this week but I do like him down the road if you were if you have him on your roster and you're able to advance this week then I think you can definitely ride with him uh, in week 16 and 17 if you get that far because on paper those matchups are a whole lot better maybe he does get some passing game work that certainly changes my outlook on him but uh, I'm not not quite as optimistic uh, that that's going to happen Uh, the other game uh, is the Washington football team on the road in Philadelphia to take on the Eagles We talked about Evan Ingram and the matchup he's got against Philly next week and liking him potentially as a tight end. This week, it's Ricky Seals-Jones, one of the two fantasy playoff matchups he gets against Philadelphia. But this week, he's not going to have Taylor Heineke. Uh, He's he's going to have Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. Uh, Do we still trust RSJ as, uh, as a tight end start with Gilbert at quarterback?
1: Definitely a lot less than when it it was Taylor Heineke. But the thing is, at this point, you kind of, I mean, maybe you could pivot to Gerald Everett or David Njoku. I I think I would lean a little bit more towards Njoku over Ricky Seals-Jones. But right now, those are my top two streaming options. Like, I would rather use one of those two guys over Tyler Conklin, Gerald Everett. So I think if you were planning on starting him and now all the other Sunday games have been played, I think you kind of, unless maybe you could pivot to David Njoku, uh, but even that one is kind of a uh, a shot in the dark there with, with you know, it being uh, Nick Mullins at the quarterback position. So, yeah, I think you just kind of ride with RSJ now. You, you took this shot because of the matchup. He still has the same great matchup. And we have seen a lot of, you know, quarterbacks when they get thrust into play markets, they look just like that short little safe throw to the tight end. So I think that's what you're hoping for.
2: And I think the the argument, another argument I should say in favor of of Ricky Seals-Jones is, there just aren't a lot of places to go with the football in Washington. Terry McLaurin's going to get his, um, you know, maybe they, they toss a few to JD McKissick, but Ricky Seals Jones is just as viable a target for, you know, any Washington quarterback uh, as they got there. So, you know, hopefully that stays in play there. That Garrett Gilbert knows enough to get the ball to his tight end. Um, you know, and this is where it's going to be on the play callers to kind of scheme some things to give their quarterback some easy opportunities. So uh, I would stay with RSJ. Um, you know, the, the expectations are definitely lowered with Garrett Gilbert at quarterback, but you know, I think you still ride with it and and hope for the best. Look, if if you can get a couple catches and a touchdown, then I think that's really all you can kind of ask for in this situation. Uh, last thing, Jordan Howard expected to be back for this one. Washington's defense has struggled, not just on the field, but then they've also had COVID issues as well. Uh, Is Jordan Howard worth maybe a flex start or, or worth throwing into a, a daily lineup?
1: Maybe more in daily. I don't love him in seasonal because I think the floor is is very low. Like, I think if you start him, you're hoping for a touchdown. But their usage has been so inconsistent with the Philly running backs. Like, Miles Sanders doesn't have a touchdown all year. So we know he's not going to score one. But <laughs> they like to get Kenny Gainwell involved in the pass game a bit. Boston Scott has been in and out of that rotation. So I, I think he's just a deeper flex option. But in DFS, I think if you're playing like a Tuesday slate, that's where he's worth a shot.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably it. I mean, I think if you're playing him in seasonal, you really are hoping for a touchdown. I think that's going to be your best option there. Um, Because also, the Eagles have been a lot more run-heavy lately, but – you know, that involves a lot of Jalen Hurts as well. So there, there may not be as many touches in the offense for Jordan Howard. So uh, you're probably right. He's probably a better daily play and you, you still are hoping for that touchdown to kind of uh, at least bolster those numbers a little bit because the yardage may not be there enough. And we know they're not going to throw him the football. So that that part is pretty much out. Um, so that's it. Uh, that's the end of week 15. I, you know, it, we were talking, uh, you know, last week in the office that uh, – we got this far before we had, K, uh, had COVID madness. I mean, last year we dealt with it, it seemed like week in and week out. So I guess in some ways we should probably count our blessings that it took this long for this to happen.
1: I guess, you know, also like if you didn't make the fantasy playoffs and I mean, kudos to you if you're still listening to this or maybe you got bounced in one league. At least it's less you got to worry about because <laughs> it was a very stressful week setting lineups and everything. So I guess maybe that is the, uh, the silver lining there.
2: Yeah, you know, um, you know there's, there's not a lot of reasons to be excited about not being in the playoffs, but hey, this is one of them. You didn't have the headaches uh, that everybody else did. I don't know, just trying to make you all feel better about it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, do illiterate people get the full effect of alphabet soup? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we will see you on Wednesday. <laughs>